Good morning from me. My name's Peter. I'm one of the pastors here. Well, if you're new here, we've been working our way through the Gospel of John for a while. John uh, was a disciple of Jesus, and um, he wrote an eyewitness account uh, of the things that Jesus said, and he did. And just kicking off this morning, what I actually wanted to do is to go back to one of the sayings of Jesus in John chapter 10, the classic saying, saying that, that many of you know, it's one that gets bandied around all over the place. Uh, this is it here. I have come that they may cope and barely make it to the finish line. Does anyone know the actual one? I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I have it to the full. Uh, that's Jesus' goal for you is life and life abundantly. And I'll just say this, even in the fourth quarter of the year, right? Um, here's, here's the way that uh, Max Licardo puts uh, God's plan for you. God does not want a bunch of stressed out, worn out, done in and washed up children representing him in the world. He wants us to be fresher day by day, hour by hour. True? Yep. Yeah? Who's down for that? Who's down for that kind of life? Yeah, I am. But how are you going to get there? How are you going to get there? Well, the short answer and the answer to this sermon's going to be is, is God gives you the Holy Spirit. That's how you're going to get there. Who's the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit's the third person of the Trinity. If you're new to the whole Christian thing, uh, God exists as three persons in one. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All of them are God. Um, in their own right, but there's only one God, um, three in one. The math doesn't work, but it's okay because it's not an engineering thing, it's a person thing, right? And uh, the reality is that uh, when two people get married, what you have is two people in a sense, but they become one in marriage. They've intermingled with one another, and there's something much more profound but similar to that in, uh, in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so we have this passage in John chapter 14 that we've been working our way through, uh, where Jesus is saying these things uh, at the Last Supper. Uh, and uh, so I want to read uh, the next little bit um, today. I'm just going to read three verses today, and we're going to read one verse that we read last week, and then the two verses we're going to hang out on today. So if you've got your Bibles there, I'd love for you to open them up. To John chapter 14, we're just going to read verse 15 to 17. John 14, verse 15 to 17. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So we're going to look at three things today in this message. We're going to look at a helper, we're going to look at a personal presence, and uh, finish with looking at a powerful friend. Let's uh, hook in to the helper a bit here. And uh, the, the section that we're, we're focusing on here is this uh, part that Jesus says, and I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. I want you to notice something about this section of John chapter 14 before we actually move on um, and I want to ask the question you don't have to answer out loud but how many um, members of the Godhead are involved in this little section three all of them are involved right Jesus is praying the father's answering and the spirit comes alongside you they're kind of all in it together and you just need to know that's that's the way that the Trinity works it's kind of like they're kind of like, and I don't mean to be disrespectful, but they're like groupies, right? Like you get one and you get all of them, all the time. You know, sometimes um, I, I say to people, you know, don't be too worried about who you're praying to because it's always a conference call. It's, it's the way that works. It just works that way all of the time. They're always in on things together. And you might look at this and you might go, well... It looks like, uh, if you go to the ESV translation of that word advocate there, it's, it's actually helper. And, and you could go, it looks like the Holy Spirit's the helper. And then you go, hang on, what's, what's Jesus doing? Well, he's praying for you, which is helping you. Yeah, yeah. 
and then the Father sending the Holy Spirit, which is helping you. So the, the Holy Spirit's gone a, a really powerful, significant helper, but they're all helping. And that's actually what you find with the Trinity. They're always kind of in on it together. Jesus prays, and the Father gives you another advocate. And I want to look at the word another in a moment, but before I do that, I just want to look at advocate with you. Advocate. It's a word that doesn't get used much anymore. Uh, You don't hear it much, the idea of advocacy. But it's a really powerful thing. It's a very powerful reality. The idea of an advocate is the idea of defending someone, speaking on behalf of someone, interceding for someone. Uh, Have you ever had an advocate? You probably have, and you've probably been an advocate without thinking about it. Let me give you a couple of examples. You've probably had an advocate before if you've been sitting or standing trying to explain something to a group and everyone's just clueless about what you're talking about and your friend says, just be quiet for a second, let me explain. And then they speak on your behalf and everyone goes, oh, right, now we get what you're saying. Have you ever had that experience? If you've had that experience, you've had an advocate before. Someone actually spoke on your behalf and helped people to understand you. Or perhaps uh, another example would be that you've done something wrong. Uh, it, It was either wrong in itself or it was just something that you didn't kind of nail and, and people have taken it badly. And, and if you've ever had someone around you who's kind of jumped in at that point and kind of backed you and helped you and helped other people to understand what's going on and, and help people to understand what was really in your heart in the midst of that, then you've had an advocate. That's what you've had. Uh, and if you've ever done either of those two things for someone else, you've been an advocate for people. That's what an advocate is. In secular Greek, the, um, the Greek word, the New Testament is written in Greek, so the Greek word translated advocate here, parakletos, it actually has got an advocacy side to it, a very strong advocacy side, but it's got a legal advocacy side to it, right? Um, interesting, right? In a legal sense, someone speaking on your behalf. But Jesus says here on the screen in this verse, another advocate right? A second one. And it begs the question, right? Well, who was the first? Anyone know? Jesus. It's, this is like an advocate is good. Is anyone with me on that? Having two is better. <laughs> That's like twice as good as having one. It's Jesus. And you can actually see uh, the, the um, disciple John refer to this in his, in his first letter, 1 John 2 verse 1. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. What's, what's Jesus doing? Well, he's speaking to the Father in our defense. That's what he's doing. And you know why that's imp- really important? Because when you get things wrong, that says something about you. It says something about who you are. It says something about your guilt. The things that we do speak about us. And we actually need someone to speak in our defense. And Jesus does that. He intercedes for us. He speaks a better word than our deeds do. So, the Holy Spirit is a second advocate. And, and although he's an advocate, he's doing things a little differently to what Jesus is doing in, or what John speaks of Jesus doing in 1 John 2 verse 1. Sure, he does intercede for us and he speaks on our behalf you can you can see this in romans chapter 8 for those of you who know romans chapter 8 there's a section in there about how uh, we can go through such travail that we can't get our prayers into words and we, we don't even know what to pray for and so that the spirit intercedes for us and he 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 prays and he intercedes for us with groanings that are too deep for words but the spirit's work is much much broader than just speaking to the father on our behalf And in some ways, the various ways that Bible translators have translated this word parakletos uh, reflect this. And um, so here's here's all the different ways um, these Bible translations translate the word. The NIV, the NLT, an advocate, ESV and the NASB, a helper, 
King James Version is a comforter. The Revised Standard Version is counselor. The message is friend. And so what you've got here is you've got this, this idea about what the Holy Spirit's doing and you've got Bible translators trying to grasp what it is. And all of their translations capture some aspect of what the Holy Spirit does. Some people actually abandon trying to find an English word, right? Because they go, it's just hard to capture everything that the Spirit is actually doing that this Greek word is trying to portray. And so they just go for the transliteration paraclete and they just say paraclete. Um, But what I want to do is I just want us to see if we can't get a little bit closer to the Spirit's work by going to the immediate context in John 14 to 16. So I want to show you a few scriptures um, that just unpack a little bit more in this exact kind of uh, context what, what Jesus is talking about here. Let's start with the top left, John 14, 26. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. What... What's the Holy Spirit's role there that Jesus is talking about? It's to teach you and remind you about what Jesus said, right? Uh, John 15, verse 26, when the advocate comes, he will testify about me. What's the Holy Spirit's job there that Jesus is talking about? Helping you to see Jesus. John chapter 16, verse 13, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. What's the Spirit's role there to guide you into truth and then john 16 verse 15 all that belongs to the father is mine that is why i said the spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you what's the spirit's job is to take what is given to him and give it to you that's the spirit's job now there's a really clear focus on jesus in the work of the spirit here and there's no question about that but i want to ask the question at a more of a macro level in what direction is the work of the spirit running you (laughs) the work of the spirit is just running in your direction that's what it is or in other words the holy spirit helps you with you (laughs) all right the holy spirit helps you with you and you just got to get your head around it that is his inclination even though he's on about jesus the end goal of what he's doing is you you get that He's the one who comes alongside you. He's the one that backs you in. He's the one who gives you everything that you need to be able to do well. Now, the Holy Spirit doesn't sleep, right? But it's kind of like someone, you've got someone who gets up in the morning and starts the day with thinking about how am I going to help them to get there? How am I going to help them to get the job done? How am I going to help them to get their day done really well? Now, how am I going to back them today? <laughs> if someone who gets up in the morning and says, I'm going to think about everything that this person needs for the day and then bring it. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? That's why I think the ESV, ESV translation of the word helper is a pretty good translation. And it doesn't make God subservient to us because he's a helper. I mean, Psalm 118 calls God a helper now you need to stop for a moment and think about the magnitude of the person that's on your side right and you just got to get get it into your soul that he's on about you and what's going on for you and what's going to be good for you you know sometimes and i think it's so appropriate and we will talk about it till we all die i'm sure we talk a lot about the glory of god and doing things for god's glory And I think that's really important. But sometimes in the midst of talking about God's glory, we can miss out on people in the middle of it. See how I know what I'm talking about? And you just need to know the Holy Spirit, He's tasked up for you. That's what He is. That's that's what Jesus is doing. It's like, man, I mean, if anyone knows me, they go, that guy needs help, right? He needs help. And it's like, Jesus, He needs help, right? Now, the other day, I'm getting the bin out, right? And I'm going to tie it up and take it to the, to the wheelie bin, right? And 
someone's put something in our bin bag that is heavy. And it's got sharp edges. Does anyone know where I'm going here? So, and the bin bag's full and it's got like food waste and all sorts. So I'm pulling this thing out and everything starts tumbling out, right? And I'm, this is not cool. And the other thing, now I just need to put it on the kitchen bench, which I don't know why I did that. But I, I, I call out to one of my boys. I said, I need some help here. <laughs> Joel, can you come and help me? And, uh, and Joel came and he, and he helped me and we averted most of the disaster. See, you need help when things go wrong, but that's not the only reason why. You just need help with everything. It's, it kind of comes down to what, what kind of life do you want to live? What, do you just want to cope? Is that it? So I'm not giving you any points for vision if you say, I just want to cope. You with me? That, that is not Jesus' plan for you, for you to cope and to just make it. It isn't his plan. And so there's a sense in which, you know, I could just talk about all the different ways that we could use the help of the Spirit. And we can use the help of the Spirit because we mess things up, but we could just use the help of the Spirit to actually get the job done really well and stay up in the midst of everything that's going on. Amen? Is anyone with me today? Okay, a couple of you. I'm excited about this. Let me, um, let me just get into just a little bit more detail here about the ways that the spirit helps you here we go here's the first one john 15 26 not going to read it you can read it later he helps you by telling you about jesus this is really important for you the thing that you need to hear the most out of everything is about jesus and he tells you about jesus for your benefit and you need to hear about jesus And, you know, there's no doubt in Scripture that the Spirit helps people by giving them power. But I want to say something to you. The best power, most concentrated power you can get is when you see Jesus clearly. That's what you need. That's the center of the battle. That's the center of everything for you is seeing Jesus clearly. And the Spirit works on your behalf to help you to see him. This one speaking to you on behalf of you now this is an interesting one right because the spirit this is john 16 verse 8 which talks about the spirit convicting people of doing the wrong things now what's that is that how is some of you going well how is that helpful it's like well because we're all idiots sometimes do you get what i'm saying like we're all idiots and the best thing that can happen if you're an idiot is to be told that you're an idiot and work out that you need to stop doing what you're doing. And does anyone know what I'm talking about? You just, it's like, dude, that's a dumb thing to do. You're going to wreck your life by doing that, right? That is killing you. You can't keep doing that. This is one of the things that the Spirit does is He comes in and He cuts across us and He says, stop, stop doing that talked about this one before praying for you Romans eight twenty six, advocating and interceding for you with the father this one here he encourages you Acts nine thirty one. put your hand up if you'd like some more encouragement jeez seriously I know that we're not very expressive at this church here but that was like 20 people the others need encouragement to put their hand up probably all right they probably need more encouragement than the people who put their hands up they're going oh i don't know i can't even put my hand up i'm so discouraged it's like this is the comforter piece right what what is um what's encouragement well encouragement is putting courage into people it's not just about saying nice things to someone it's about giving them forward momentum you can see that in acts 9 verse 31 strengthening you has the spirit ever done that for you encouraged you giving you wise counsel john 16 13 guiding you into all truth he is a spirit of truth after all and you know what this is it's like just giving you direction about where you need to go here's the way walk you in it the old line don't be an idiot it's got a bit of a fatherly kind of feel to it don't don't go there go here 
And some of you might go, oh, that's kind of like your conscience. It's like, no, it's not like your conscience, right? Because your conscience doesn't actually help you like that. Your conscience tells you when you've done something wrong. It doesn't lead you into what's right. You can have a clear conscience. And that says something, but the conscience doesn't actually work like that. The Spirit does. The Spirit says, here's the way. Walk ye in it. There's so much more to say about how the Spirit helps you. And bottom line is, he is a helper. You get the idea, right? Um, but he's not just a helper. He's, he's, actually, he's actually close. He is a, a personal presence. Now, this one is debated around the place, and it shouldn't be, all right? There are some people who think the Holy Spirit's not actually a person, that the Holy Spirit is a force or a power, um, and, and I just want to say to you, if, you've, if anyone's ever said that to you, you just can't say that. It, you just can't sustain that with Scripture. And there's a lot that I could actually say about it, but it's beyond the scope of, of where we're going today. But I just want to give you a couple of pieces of low-hanging fruit to help you to, to see that you just, you just can't say it. And the first one is the immediate passage that we're actually looking at in uh, John chapter 14. And if you hadn't noticed, there's a lot of personal pronouns that refer to the Holy Spirit, right? Cannot accept Him, nor knows Him, know Him, He lives with you. They're personal pronouns. And you don't use personal pronouns about, about an impersonal force or power, right? Uh, if that doesn't get you across the line, you can go across to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, where it talks about don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never worked out how you can grieve a force, or a power, like grieving is a thing that a person actually does. The Holy Spirit's a person. I mean, how does a force cry? I don't know. Obviously, that would be a question we would ask at Restoration Church, wouldn't it? Um, so what, what is Jesus organizing? Well, you don't want to miss the significance of this, but he's organizing for you to have a person with you forever. Forever. Here's what he's doing. God's actively work, at work ensuring that you're not isolated. Now, some of you go, well, I feel isolated. Well, if you're a Christian, you're never isolated. Understand that you can experience being isolated. And Jesus is going to talk about that next week, about uh, being an orphan. And we'll look at that next week. But sit on that one uh, for a moment. Do you believe that? in every situation that everyone's in here today? That God would be actively at work ensuring that you're not isolated? Uh, I'll talk some more about that next week. Because you just need to know he's always been doing that. It's not just that. The Holy Spirit is just a, a whacking great big part of it. But he's been busy doing that the whole way along. But it gets better. I mean, most of you are sitting next to someone, right? Um, it, it's better than just having someone to come alongside you because that's the idea of uh, parakletos, is someone to kind of come alongside, right? And Jesus is just going to unpack it here and just show it's, it's way deeper and way more significant than that. And the way that he does it, the way that he unpacks it, is he shows you a contrast, right? It's in verse 17 there. Uh, the world doesn't know the Spirit. What's Jesus talking about? He's talking about personal knowing. The disciples do. How? Because he's been around them. He's been with them. And that's actually what you see when you read of the Spirit's work in the Old Testament. That he's around, he comes down on top of people, he influences people. You see that kind of vibe going on in the Old Testament. Um, the Spirit just coming upon people and being around people. But post-Jesus, it gets really, really personal, right? Because the Spirit actually comes and lives inside of you. And, and I want to ask you this question. Why, why is this important in terms of what Jesus is saying? Well, for lots of reasons. But one of the reasons why it's really important for the disciples is they've had Jesus with them. They've had him right next to them. And you know what's about to happen? He's about to leave. That's what's going to happen. 
And Jesus is the kind of person, and again, we'll do this next week, but he is the kind of person who's like, no, I'm not going to leave them alone. I'm not going to leave them alone. You see, Jesus, when, when he's speaking these things, he is the paraclete for the disciples, but he's about to leave. And Jesus is like, oh, I'm not going to leave them without an advocate, without a helper. I'm not going to do that. So he sends another one. And this is the bit that just like goes and blows my mind, right? How many angels are there? I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. Heaps, right? And just so that you know, they're not naked and none of them are women. They're all male and usually they're given someone their comeuppance through the scriptures, right? So I just go, oh, okay, well, that's a perfectly good option to actually get someone to come alongside and walk with us and... Hebrews chapter 1 actually talks about that. It talks about how angels and ministering spirits sent to, in, uh, to help those who inherit salvation. It's like, yeah, we have these angelic beings that kind of get around us and help us, but that's not enough for Jesus, right? Because what Jesus is arranging here is that you, if you love him, will always have one of the members of the Trinity with you. Now, that's pretty awesome, right? You're packing some serious firepower at that point. Anyone know what I'm saying? It's, it's not an angel. It's not six angels. I mean, he can just create angels. Angels are created by God. But it's, it's not ultimately angels. Are, they're not going to be enough for you. He's going to give you one of the members of the, the Godhead. <laughs> and in a sense here, what you've got is Jesus going, I'm subbing out in a minute, but someone's subbing in. And like... They're not just subbing in, they're like subbing in. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? They're not just like, oh, I'm excited. It's like, he is, he is subbing like right in. He's going to live inside of you. And you know, uh, this is a hard sell, but I'm going to try. All right? and every, every time you preach, it's a hard sell most of the time. I mean, hands up wanting more encouragement as an example of that. Um, It's better that you have the Holy Spirit than that you have a physical Jesus sitting next to you. That's better. Now, that's a hard sell, right? Because everyone's, everyone goes, oh, yeah, no, well, it'd be good to be able to see him and, like, hear him audibly or uh, touch him, shake hands with him, maybe give him a sideways hug if you're a bloke. But you know, it's better that you have the Spirit living inside of you than if you have Jesus physically with you. Now, Jesus says that, for goodness sakes, in, in John 16, verse 7. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. Imagine if what you had was a physical Jesus. Estimates are there's about 2 billion Christians on the face of the planet right now, assuming that Jesus, physical Jesus, has to sleep eight hours a day, that leaves 16 hours to spread across two billion people. How much time do you reckon you'd get every decade with Jesus? Maybe five minutes, maybe not even that. And then what happens if you're just nervous and you just stuff it all up and you get in there and you just go, oh, I didn't mean to say that. It's like, okay, well, I'll see you in 10 years. That wouldn't be very good, would it? Do you see what Jesus is saying? It's for your good that he goes away. It's for your good that he goes away. Personal presence. Last one today is uh, a powerful friend. So here I am through the week. I'm reading all this stuff. I'm reading all the commentators and theologians about parakletos and what they think about it and how you translate it and the different words that you could kind of uh, come up with and, and thinking about it and then I start thinking okay well how do you translate it into Australian not just English like how do you translate it into Australian right and I'm just going oh, I don't know you know some of you go well that's a bit weird right but you just need to know people have said to me Australians have said to me I've got an Australian accent so that's why I'm asking this question um you know, you know what I mean 
right? Um, how would you translate it into Australian? And so I started thinking about all the categories that this term needs to cover uh, to describe the work of the Spirit. And, and here's, here's all the terms. comes alongside and advocates on our behalf to others, advocates for us to us, helps us, is richly personally present, comforts us, encourages us, guides us, strengthens us, counsels us. This is the uh, place where powerful friend came from. You know, not just friend, powerful friend. Because what do friends do? Friends come alongside us. Friends advocate for us to others. They help us. They're personally present. They, they comfort us. They encourage us. They guide us. They strengthen us. They counsel us. That's what friends do. And the Holy Spirit is a powerful friend for you. A very powerful friend. The most powerful friend. And then I thought, I thought, well, I'm going to ask one of the other pastors on staff here, like, what, what do you do with this parakletos? Um, he understands a bit of Greek, and so we talked about it, and we threw around some options. And then, then he said to me, he goes, you know, because we're talking about this whole thing, like, how do you get it into Australian, right? And um, Australia. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Yeah, let's do that one. It worked for about 10 minutes. Um, he goes, you know, what, you know what it reminds me of? You know what the Australian version of it is? Um, <laughs> the lawyer from the movie The Castle, the one in the middle. You know The Castle? Probably the best Australian film ever made. About a family that lives right next door to the airport, the house is going to be compulsorily acquired for an expansion. The father, Daryl Kerrigan, he wants to fight it. So he goes and he gets the solicitor on the left, Dennis Denudo, who's hopeless. Can't even work a photocopier. They go to the federal court. Well, they're at the federal court. Lawrence Hamill, in the middle, strikes up a conversation. Him and Daryl Kerrigan have this conversation. He ends up coming back. Uh, to the Kerrigans, and uh, it turns out he's a constitutional lawyer. He's a QC, Queen's Counsel. And he comes to the Kerrigans and he says, I'll represent you in this case. Um, and, and they go to the High Court, and he does it pro bono, for free, right? Uh, they win the court case, they party at the end, and then they go their separate ways, and then what happens? Daryl Kerrigan gets on the phone, back to Lawrence, who he's now calling Larry. And, and he asks him to come and help him with getting his son out of jail on, on parole. And so Lawrence helps him with that. And then Lawrence starts going on holidays all the time with the family. The Kerrigans, pretty straightforward folk that can't defend themselves, who get a solicitor who's no good, and then get a constitutional QC at no cost to represent them and win the case. Does it sound like anyone to you? Now, if that were a true story, that would be a great story, wouldn't it? It'd be a great story. There's no doubt about it. But I want to say to you that the story that you're in, you're in is even better than that. And, and one of the things I want you to see about the story that you're in is in this story, there was no guarantee of victory. Sure, you had Lawrence Hamill, who was this QC who was highly experienced and, and, and took on their case, but they weren't guaranteed that they were going to win. All he could do was put the argument forward as eloquently as he could. But I want to say to you something that with the Holy Spirit, success is guaranteed. It's absolutely guaranteed. It's not like, oh, you just got to put your argument forward and, and see what happens. The outcome's certain. You see this in Ephesians 1. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. See that word in the middle there? It starts with G. Guaranteeing. Guaranteeing. What does that mean? The Holy Spirit makes sure you make it. That's what it means. That's his mission. 
to get alongside you, to work on your behalf in every area, encouragement, guidance, strength, help, advocating, you know what I mean. Or in other words, he makes sure that you win. Amen? And I'm not saying that he's going to make sure that you win in absolutely everything that goes on, but the things are the most important, staying true to him, staying on his agenda and being alive and lively in this world, he will make sure of that. He will make sure that you become like Jesus. So I want to finish this morning by asking this question. How will you finish? How will you finish? How are you going to finish? See, I, I'm a really bad starter at things. And I don't mean that I procrastinate. I, my start is often pretty crap. I can say that. It's too late. I just did. It's always been that way. Like if you came up to me and you used to go, Pete, how, how do you see yourself? A strong starter or a strong finisher? I go, no, I'm a strong finisher. That's what I want to do. I want to be a strong finisher. Now, I've had to work on my starts, right? And it's even come down to sermons, and those of you who have been around long enough would have seen me on plenty of occasions in the first five minutes just mess up the start of a sermon and then have to recover. So my first five minutes is always well scripted now, right? Because you've got to strengthen the start. But here's the thing, you want to finish strong, don't you? Is anyone with me? You want to finish strong. Are you planning on it? What's your expectation? See, I don't... It doesn't even matter that much where you are right now. What's it going to be like between here and the end? That's the question. You know, you go, well, I'm in a funk, right? I can't get out of this funk that I'm in. I'm stuck in it. I've messed things up for the last three weeks. I'm, okay, all right. We'll have to deal with that stuff probably. You'll have to face up to it. Okay, but tell me what it's going to look like between now and the end. Some of you go, well, what are you talking about? What, what end? Well, the end of your life. Let's start with that one. What's it going to look like? For those who've got children, what, what is it? I know that you're never going to end up not parenting once you've had children. So sorry for those who haven't had kids yet. That's, that's just the reality. Changes, but it is a reality. But let me ask parents this. What, what does it look like between now and the end of parenting? And I'm, I'm kind of talking about death in these, if, if you don't, like your, when your time's done. What about this one? And I don't mean your marriage busts up, but what, what does it look like between now and the end of your marriage when death separates you? Hard question for some. I appreciate that, but for those who are married, you love the Lord, and what does it look like? What about this one? What does it look like for your faith between now and the end. Do you fear that you won't make it? With any of those? Or dot, dot, dot? When you think about uh, the picture that um, describes the way that you see the end, the last bit of the end, is it like, do you think about like one of those marathon races where they are just so hammered and they collapse and, and, and they maybe just reach out their arm and their hand goes over the finish line, which doesn't really count because it's got to be your chest. But you get what I'm saying. It's just like you, you've stumbled and, you, and, and that's, the, that's what the end looks like to you. It's like a stumble, it's a fall, it's a, it's a, it's a flat on your, your face, it's a, it's a crawl on your hands and knees to the end. What, is, what does it look like between here and the end? The, um, the 
the Holy Spirit does not envisage that for you. Do you hear me? He does not envisage that for you. If that is your expectation or your assumption, you're on your own on that. And, and not in an isolated kind of way. He's just, nah, we're not doing that, right? And, and maybe I just... Maybe you need to spend some more time in the Word and prayer and worship so that God can actually say to you, that's not what we're doing. It is not what we're doing. You know, you know what kind of finish the Holy Spirit has in mind? That one. Yeah? That one. Some of you go... A long way away from it. That's okay. We're not done yet. And you have a helper. Amen. And so I wanna I wanna leave you this question at the end. This is for everyone. What does having the helper slash Holy Spirit do to your finishing? Does it do to your expectations about finishing? I'd love to have the band come up and join me. They're going to do a little activity. All right? Um, it's not bush dancing. But we are going to do a little activity. The, um, the book of Acts is the story of the early church. So Luke, um, Luke was a doctor and he wrote um, uh, the Gospel of Luke, which is an eyewitness testimony to Jesus' work and his words. Uh, he also um, researched the early church and wrote Acts, which is really the story of Jesus' continuing work through the Holy Spirit in the early church. And what you actually have is something unique that's going on in the book of Acts where the Holy Spirit is being poured out on people. Um, the teaching in the, in the New Testament is very clear um, that if, if you're saved, you've got the Spirit, right? You don't get the Spirit later on. There's something unique going on in Acts. And there's this curious um, piece of a story which I want to read to you uh, from Acts chapter 19, verse 1 and 2. And the reason why I want to read this right, is because chances are there's a whole bunch of people in this room that are living like they don't have him, right? And you do, <laughs> right? You do have him. Let me read it. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit, all right? And you know, you can live like that functionally, even though in your head, you know, the Holy Spirit is true and he's around, you can live like that functionally. If you're not a Christian today, you don't have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. It's just how it works. You don't, you don't have it, all right? Well, you could have him. It's very simple. You ask God to forgive you for your sin and you trust in him. You turn away from the direction you've been going and then you get the Holy Spirit. It's like, that's kind of like it. It's like you want um, a helper with unlimited resources. Do you want that? Well, I just told you how to get him. It actually doesn't cost you anything. We've not even heard there's a Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes our lives can look like that. We've not even heard of this person, the Holy Spirit. All right? Just forget about him. Forget about what he's, what he's up to, what he does, how he helps. Forget to turn to him and, and look for his help. So here's, here's a little activity I'd love for you to do. I'm going to ask the band here in a moment just to play the last song. And uh, we're not going to sing it. But what I want you to do is uh, I want you to um, tell someone 
something off the screen that you'd like from the Holy Spirit. All right? And you can only pick one. All right? So you just need to think about it for a, a moment or two. It's just like, think about the one that is the most important to you right now. Which one would you pick? Have you found it? Here's what I want you to do. Once you've found it, if you can, I know that doesn't always work. Uh, and I'm really, I think it's, it's totally cool for people to just move around in the room. All right? But what I would love you to do is to actually tell someone that you'd like that thing from the Holy Spirit. All right? Just, it's very simple. You say, oh, I think I want a richer awareness of his personal presence with me. That's what I'd like. All right? And if you can, if you can pull it off, I'd love for you to, if someone tells you they, which one they want, I'd love for you to pray for them, if you're the other person, if you can do that. It's a very simple prayer. It doesn't have to be fancy. It's just like, Jesus, you heard what this person said they'd like from the Holy Spirit. Can you give it to them this week? And then you can say amen. All right? Does that sound okay? And we'll just take, we'll just take four or five minutes to just tell someone what you'd like from the Holy Spirit and then pray for them. If you, I'm sitting down the front, so if you feel awkward, you can come and sit with me and we'll talk about something. Or if you need someone to talk to, you, you can do that. If you're, if you're not a Christian today and you'd like an, a helper with infinite resources, at no cost, you can come down the front and I'd love to help you with that because right? you can actually get him. Um, all good? Go. Well, how'd you go? See that? What we just did, if you got to do it, is not special. People who are involved are special, but it's, it's a very simple thing to do. And um, I just encourage you, like, I don't know, we're all here today, so if you get here next week and it's like, oh, I think I'd need a bit of, I need a bit of encouragement for the Spirit, why don't you just go and tell someone? And then someone here now will be able to pray for you in that. I want to pray a, uh, a blessing upon you. Um, a, few, uh, a few weeks ago, I can't remember, I preached on the section in John um, 14 there, which says, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. Well, if you prayed for someone about one of those things that the Spirit does, He will do it. He will do it. You know, there's, there's no question. It's not like, oh, is He going to encourage the person I prayed for? Or what do you reckon? Of course. That's the whole gig. So just encourage it. Keep praying. Keep praying for those things. Um, for the person you prayed for and for people around you, and uh, you will see answered prayer. You will see answered prayer. Let me pray this blessing on you. May the God of hope, the God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him for this purpose, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And God, I pray I pray by your Spirit that hope would fall on everyone here today. Hope that we as a people would be awash in hope in every situation, in every single circumstance, that we would be almost drowning in hope around the place. Not because we've got the outcomes that we want, not because it's easy, but because you, Spirit, are with us. By your power, you give us hope in everything. Make us a hope-filled people. God, I pray for everyone here today that you would, you would fill them with your spirit and fill them with hope and that people at work tomorrow would see a difference, that they would have more hope. 
wait upon you. Our country needs rain. But we need hope from you more than our country needs rain. God, I pray for Pray for all those who are running on empty. I pray that you fill them up, that they will overflow with hope. We look to your spirit to do this. Don't look to human effort. They look to trying harder. Bring a surge of hope for us. Well, I think I'm done. I don't know whether you are or not, but um, I think I'm done. I'm sorry for getting a little emotional there. It's terrible. Yeah, there you go. Bit of elder feedback. Look, if, you, if you're low, you know, in your car when the gas, you know, the, the petrol gets low, um, you've got the warning light on, you know, and it's like, dude, you're pushing this car in about 15 minutes if you don't get some fuel. You know, if, that, if that's you um, and you need to talk some more with some people and you need the spirit to bring some more hope... Um, Make sure that you do that. I'll be down the front and talk to a community group leader, uh, an elder, uh, one of the elders, elders' wives, a deacon. Pretty much anyone that loves Jesus should be able to help. All right? Uh, but make sure that you do do that. Um, and uh, let's, anyone we think, let's finish strong in 2023. Amen? Yeah, let's finish strong.